Well, it's great to be uh, here today and have each and every one of you here on this holiday weekend. Thank you for taking time to come. Big shout out to everybody watching online as well. We appreciate you uh, sincerely as well. Uh, week number two in our series, Lies We Listen To, I uh, came across an interesting statistic out of Psych News Daily that said a new study has found that 13% of people are pathological liars telling 10 lies every single day. That means that in attendance in all of our gatherings and services today, there are at least 130 pathological liars. Can you see them? Can you spot them? Where are they? No. Um, that's a lot of lying. That's a lot of lying, if that's true. And some people do a lot more than that to make the average such, uh, and, and that's pretty significant. And even though uh, we're encouraged in Scripture not to tell lies, we're really talking during this series about the other side of lying, and that is listening to lies. What are the lies you listen to that demean you, discourage you, devalue you? Where do you get so obsessed on something that's wrong, and you just keep telling yourself, I'm no good, uh, you know, I'm not uh, uh, useful, I'm, not, I'm, I'm worthless, I'm insignificant. What, what hamster wheel, what, what treadmill do you get on where you continue to tell yourself messaging that is wrong and false? What lies are you listening to? Who or what is telling you your marriage can't get better? Who or what is telling you your future is hopeless? Who or what is telling you you are worthless? What lies do you need to stop listening to? Now, last week we talked about five sources of lies, and you see them on the screen. Certainly Satan is the father of lies. He's the deceiver. Uh, he wants to do anything he possibly can to undermine you and deceive you and destroy you. And then, of course, you know, we lie to ourselves. Anybody ever caught yourself lying to yourself? I mean, we tell ourselves with self-talk things that just are not true. Other people we listen to from time to time, and they're not telling us the truth. Circumstances, sometimes we look at our circumstances in the worst possible light, and therefore, it's not truthful. And then, of course, our world, our society, our culture is communicating all sorts of falsehoods. The first people listen to the serpent. And we say, how could they be so dumb? They listen to the serpent tell lies such as, hey, you can become like a god. That's a lie. None of us would ever listen to that. And yet, we're listening to lies all the time. We tell ourselves lies. We listen to lies. This series is really for each and every one of us to ask God to give us real eyes so that we can realize truth from real lies. That's what we're praying and talking about over the course of these very few weeks. And we're looking at how Jesus encountered different people and really blew some lies, some falsehoods right out of the water. Last week we talked uh, about the lie of, of, of feeling useless. And we talked about the lad with the lunch who was really a nobody, but God turned him into a somebody and did an extraordinary miracle through what he had to offer. Today we're going to turn to Mark chapter 5 where we're going to talk about the lie of hopelessness. I am hopeless. And we're going to look how Jesus blows that out of the water as well. You know, one of the things that we need to really work at is living by principle. You know, when things hit the fan and things go sideways and we get discouraged, we need to fall no lower than our principles. And one of the principles as followers of Christ that we must hold dear to is that we will know who we are and whose we are in Jesus Christ. We must always remember that. Last week we shared scripture from 2 Corinthians 5.17. 
Uh, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Can you say with me, I'm a new creation? Say it, I'm a new creation. We must always remember that. And then in, in, in John 15, verse 5, uh, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. You know, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We are also vine dwellers. Say that, vine dwellers. You know, our life and vitality and hope and joy is when we are grafted into the vine and we must stay connected to him. And I want to encourage you to, to think through, what, what are my principles? I need, to, I need to spend more time thinking about what Jesus says about me and what Jesus thinks about me than I do what Satan or what self says about me. So look at this word cloud. Don't minimize, trivialize, despise, victimize yourself. There's lots of eyes words in there. Don't do that to yourself. Don't listen to those lies. Don't, don't, don't uh, discourage yourself and allow yourself to get on that, that, that treadmill or that hamster wheel and keep going round and round and round and talk yourself into a negative lather. No more looking back on past mistakes and fixating on past failures. No, we use that, as we talked about all last fall, we use that as fuel for a better future. I can hear somebody saying, well, Robert, are you telling me to deny my reality? <laughs> no, I'm telling you to celebrate your reality in Jesus, amen? Who are you and whose are you in Jesus Christ? Now, many of you, if not most of you, have met my, my good buddy, Rex the dog. Um, and Rex loves to go to the beach. And here we are with my grandson, Rowan, here just a few days ago when the sun was out, and Rowan and I were throwing sticks to Rex, and he would go fetch them and bring them back in. But occasionally, I will throw Rex a stick that sinks. Have you ever heard of such a thing? I mean, rocks sink, but I mean, these things are like petrified wood or something, you know, soaked to the gill. And he will go out to fetch that stick, and he will look back at me and say, what are you doing to me? You know, you were throwing lies at me. You are, you are throwing falsehoods. The way this game works, uh, Daddy Rob, is you throw a stick, I fetch it and bring it back in. I'm a retriever. I am not a scuba diver, okay? And, uh, you know, so, so, you know, he and I have to work through that a little bit. And, uh, and he just does not buy the lies. He doesn't buy the sinking sticks. And I was laughing uh, to myself about that. And then I got serious thinking, I wonder how many lies we buy into. I wonder how many times we're duped and sucker punched and deceived and mocked by Satan or society or ourself or even the words of other people that try to put us down. Don't be sucker punched. Don't be mocked. Don't be deceived. Don't give into the lies. You know, I have no hope. My marriage has no hope. My finances have no hope. My, my health has no hope. Uh, you know, this doesn't have hope. That doesn't have hope. You know, we're good at telling ourselves all sorts of lies. We need to pray, God, give me real lies to realize the real lies and determine what's true and what's false. Psychology Today contained an article that was titled something a little bit different, but I would title it Lies We Listen To. And they talked about a few different ways that people listen to falsehoods and how it hurts their life. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I put them on the screen. These are their words. Reality denial, you know, allowing, uh, well, ignorance is bliss, I guess, is the first one. You know, allowing ourselves to stay ignorant and not learn the truth is a way of lying to ourselves. 
reality denial, uh, dismissing reality or truth just so that we can stay with the warm milk of our false beliefs. Overconfidence. This one was kind of a funny one. They talked about unrealistic optimism. 90% of drivers think they're above average. How many have driven by all of them and would say they're all below average? (laughs) 94% uh, of professors at large universities think they're above average, and many of them are not. Then they talked about smoking, and they had some statistics about how a lot of people think it won't harm you when, in fact, it really, really does. Uh, Kind of a crazy section. Self-handicapping, where we demean ourselves and dismiss ourselves. You know, how I'd like to be seen. This is kind of comparing ourselves to other people and thinking that we're a lot better than them and how that's a form of lying. Cherry-picking data. You know, living in, uh, you know, an echo chamber or protecting our narrative. You know, don't confuse me with the facts. I just want to believe what I believe about I believe. You know, know, a a strong bias toward our own particular belief. Excuse-making, you know, blaming others, not being accountable. And then just, just always being negative, sour grapes, critical and hopeless hopeless. That's what I want us to talk about today. Is there an area of your life where you feel hopeless? Finances. I can't find finances to get to school. There's a relationship in my life that just doesn't get better. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a relationship with your kids. Maybe you're praying for someone that needs to break out of a funk or a challenge and it's just not happening and you feel hopeless. Hopelessness. I think hopelessness breeds faithlessness. And then we move from there in a downward spiral. Here's today's sermon in one sentence. Because Jesus is with you always, you are never hopeless. That's the truth. Anything different than that is a lie. That's the truth. I don't care how much it feels hopeless. I I don't care how much I feel like a particular circumstance is beyond hope. My feelings are not the facts. The facts are, if Jesus is with me, then I am never, ever hopeless. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus heals a man demon-possessed. And I want to put a map up on the screen just before we dive into Mark 5. Just to give you a little uh, texture to where we're headed, the Decapolis is uh, a part of the Holy Land that's made up of 10 cities, Decapolis, 10 cities, Greek, you know, Greek culture, heavy, heavily uh, Greek culture type cities. Uh, they're all kind of uh, to the right of the Jordan uh, or east as you were except for Scythopolis, which is now Bethshean, which we're going to actually visit on our our Holy Land trip. But these were very, very uh, Greek-oriented cities and, uh, you know, a very Gentile area. And uh, I want us to think about that as we uh, work our way through this scripture. Now, uh, the text today is a little bit longer, so I'm going to break it into uh, a few different parts and then share a few observations as we move through about five or six verses at a time. But I want you to, to, to really focus on this. It says that they went across the lake to a region of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. 
For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Nine day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Now, how many would be just a little afraid if you're running through the cemetery and a guy like this comes running after you? That's not a really fun feeling. In just a few verses, we're going to read about all the pigs that were in the area. This is the story of the pigs, uh, about 2,000 strong, that Jesus cast the demons into, and they run down the mountain, and they go into the sea, and they're drowned in the sea. But all of this points to a couple of important things that I want just to think about as we lay the foundation. The pigs point out that this was a a highly uh, Gentile-oriented population. Gentiles were considered by the Jews to be unclean, pigs that we're going to read about really soon were unclean the jews were clean but i want to make this point that jesus made his way to seek and save anyone who was lost if you want a great passage of scripture that talks about why we as a church family are so committed to missions and reaching far and wide around the world you could pick this one real easily jesus was on a mission in transition to reach as many people as he possibly could. And whether they were Jew or Gentile or whatever other description, it didn't matter to him. He came to seek and save the lost. How many are thankful Jesus came to seek and save you? He came to seek and save the lost. Notice the tombs it talks about here. In case you missed this point, the tombs represented everything about death and nothing about life. This man was in a very, very difficult state. Troubled, hopeless, death. He was chained and not free. Here we have a pathetic picture of humiliation, fear, imprisonment. And then it says he would cut himself and cry out. Just imagine the torment and the torture eating away at his very personhood. We talked about the Imago Dei a little earlier where each person has the imprint of God upon them. This man was losing that by the moment. He felt worthless. He felt insignificant. He felt helpless. He felt hopeless. In verse number six, we continue our reading. And it says, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell at his, at, 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 on his knees in front of him and he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want me? What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Now here you have a credible picture of power, small p, meeting power, capital P-O-W-E-R. I mean, there's no question there was power in these demons, but nothing compared to the power of Jesus Christ. Can I hear the big amen? Amen. Now, Jesus wasn't, uh, you know, sarcastic, but I am. And so uh, I can imagine a scene where these two meet and Jesus says, you know who I am, because the Bible says in James that even the demons believe in God and tremble. They know Jesus And I can see Jesus saying, now you know me, you know I'm the uh, uh, prophesied Messiah, you know that I'm Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but who in the world are you? I've never heard of you. Legion? What in the world? What kind of name is that? Jesus didn't say that, but I would. Uh, (laughs) 
But I want you just to dwell on this for a moment. The power of Satan is real. That is true. The Bible says that Satan is as a roaring, what? Lion seeking whom he may kiss, devour. It's not lost on me. He wants to destroy me. He wants to destroy my family. He wants to destroy people that are important to me. He wants to mess this up, that up, anything he possibly can. But the Bible also says, greater is Jesus who is in me than the devil who's in the world. Amen? So no matter how powerful Satan may be, he is no match for Jesus the Christ. And do not ever listen to that lie that you are undone and hopeless because of the devil. Jesus Christ has the power to help you rise above whatever circumstances, as we're going to see in this story, whatever circumstances you find yourself in. Power means power, but they are not the same power. Satan is a fallen angel. He's not co-equal with the power of God. He is a fallen angel. It's not even close, not even kind of. Look at verse 11. We continue our reading here. And it says that there were a large herd of pigs feeding on the uh, nearby hillside. And the demons begged, hey, send us into those pigs. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. And the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. They didn't just go swimming. They were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. Now, I want you to notice a couple things here. I want you to notice that people are more important than pigs, all right? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are more important than a pig. Go ahead and say that. And, uh, you know, that right there is worth the price of admission here today, that powerful truth. But here is the message is that no matter how you feel, you matter to Christ. This guy was a nobody. He was hopeless. He was forgotten. People just didn't want to deal with him. They tried to chain him up. They wanted him out of their hair. They didn't want to worry about him. He was a zero, zero, zero. But he mattered to Jesus. He was a nobody except to some somebody. He was a somebody. He mattered to Christ. You matter to Christ. People and property are less important. Or pig, pigs and property are less important than people. And we see such a powerful display of God's power. I think uh, of all the miracles, of course, aside from the resurrection, but uh, of all the miracles Jesus performed, you know, in, in healing people and taking care of people, uh, this would have to stack up there toward the top as one of the greatest displays of power. I mean, just imagine, you got legion moving into a bunch of swine, and they go, boom, down the hill, swan dive right into the lake, and drown. I mean, that is pretty amazing to, to witness. And that's what everybody saw, and it's like, whoa, what's going on here? Look at verse 15. This is a powerful verse. The people came back. And they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. Can you imagine seeing that? This is the guy we chained up. This is the guy crying and cutting himself. This is the guy running around the tombs. And the guy has been healed by who? Jesus? And the Bible says they were afraid. They were afraid because they had never seen this or heard of this before. They probably were a little bit afraid because of all their lost property, you know, 2,000 
pigs isn't a small thing. You know, their livelihood. And they were afraid. And they came and they talked to Jesus and they said, please leave our region. Because they just didn't know how to deal with that power. They didn't quite understand how people were more important than pigs. In verses 18 and 19, this is so important here. The man comes to Jesus as Jesus jumps in the boat and gets ready to leave. And he, he begged to go with them. Of course he would. Who wouldn't want to be with Jesus? But Jesus said this, and this is one of the most profound scriptures in all the Bible to me. He says, no, you're not coming with me. I said, I want you to go home and tell your family and friends what God has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. I want you to go home and tell your family and friends. Friends, every one of you, every one of us has a story. Jesus is saying in this verse, not only to this man, but to every one of us, go and tell your story. Jesus has intersected your life in some way, shape, or form, and you have a story to tell. For the blind man, it was, I was blind and now I see. For the demon-possessed man, it's, you know, I was possessed by legion, and I can't describe it, I can't explain it, I'm not sure I even asked for it. But Jesus healed me. And where I was hopeless, I am now full of hope. Where I didn't have a future, I now have a future. Jesus changed everything for me. That's my story. <laughs> what a powerful story it is. But so is your story. You need to tell your story. We need to tell our individual stories in our own way and find people to tell our stories to. Go home to your family and friends and tell them what good things God has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. And so he did. What a powerful part of this passage. Now, I want to take just one more moment, and I want you to think about this man and how he represents, before he was healed, the portrait of hopelessness. He is a portrait of hopelessness. We've already talked about him being chained up and cutting himself and so forth. But I want you just to think about how feelings of hopelessness are so, so real. His picture of desperation points to that. Feelings of helplessness are real. Nobody could help him. They tried. Feelings of powerlessness are real. He was overwhelmed by the power of demonic influence. There was no way out. Feelings of worthlessness are real. He felt worthless. Until Jesus sent the demons into the pigs, he was convinced of a lie being true, that there was nothing important or, or worth or significance about him. Feelings of insignificance are real. Nobody, absolutely nobody cared about him until he met Christ. How about you today? Do you feel hopeless? If you're in the chapel, if you're listening online, if you're right here in this worship center, what is it that's causing hopelessness in your life? Where do you feel at the end of your rope? Where, where do you feel like there's no future? Where do you feel like giving up? Where do you feel like nothing can change? Remember, you have supreme worth to Christ. And you are never without hope because Jesus is always with you. Trust him. Give him your concerns. Don't listen to the lies. 
ask God to give you spiritual real eyes to realize the real lies. Jesus offers hope to the hopeless. That's what this story really says to every one of us. He offers hope to the hopeless. You know, real life feelings of hopelessness exist everywhere you turn. They really do. It seems like a week doesn't go by that I'm not talking to someone who may not use that word or, or describe it that way, but, but there's just a lot of fear, a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety, a lot of hopelessness. You know, my marriage won't get better. My finances won't get better. My health is going in a bad direction. My relationship with my kids or my parent or this relationship or that situation. And there's just a sense of hopelessness, a sense of difficulty. You know, from this story, I also realized that you don't have to live in a cemetery to feel desperate. You don't have to feel in a, you don't have to live in a cemetery to be despondent. You don't have to live in a cemetery to be overwhelmed by all that's going on in life. If we could jump to that next slide, I put together just a few things about, uh, actually the one after that, I put together just a few things that I think about with regard to hopelessness. Hopelessness is a silent killer of the soul. Would you believe that? Would you agree with that? You know, if you don't have hope, it just begins to crush your soul. Hopelessness feeds on despair and fosters desperation. Hopelessness erodes faith. Hopelessness creates feelings of aloneness. Hopelessness tells lies that we're just foolish to believe. On the other hand, hope gives life. Hope gives life. It drives out despair. It drives out desperation. Let's go ahead to that next slide if we could. Right after that, next one. It drives, hope waters our dry, parched, and empty soul. It drives out despair and desperation. It builds our faith. It reminds us we're not alone. It gives us the ability to see truth. Jesus came to give us hope. You might be here and say, you know, everything's going great in my life right now. And I would say, awesome, awesome. But I know for many, that's not the case. I know for many of us, we carry a heavy burden or two. And I want to encourage you with all the encouragement I can muster that Jesus Christ cares, he knows, and he will give you hope. Place your hope in Christ. Where do you need God's faith today? Where do you need God's hope today? What's causing anxiety and worry and difficulty? You know, I have a fear. Maybe some of you can relate to this. When I get up at O-Dark 30 and I go push the button on the Keurig coffee machine and I put in the K-cup, I have this fear one day I'm going to forget to put the coffee cup in there and there's going to be a mess everywhere. How many know bad things can happen when you're sleepwalking? And uh, that's a fear I have, but that's not the fear I'm talking about. I'm talking more about the fear this gentleman in Mark chapter 5 had. Debilitating, tormenting, overwhelming, overcoming, heavy feelings of anxiety and fear and torment and maybe hopelessness. You might be here and you might say, you know, Rob, I, 
I'm certainly not like the guy in the story. I mean, that's pretty, pretty extreme. But I am carrying some baggage. I'm carrying some burdens. I'm carrying some things that just really, really have me weighed down. I'm trying to get on top of it. And the more I try, the more I kind of slip down the mountain. But I, I really want to put my faith in Christ. I want to put my hope in Christ. I want to trust in Christ. I need his help. I need his help. Would you bow your heads all over this place? And as you do, I want to just ask you this question. How many, within the sound of my voice, both online, in the chapel, and right here in this worship center, would say, Pastor Rob, would you pray for me in this closing prayer that God would give me hope and God would give me strength and help me persevere and overcome and, and move forward with some of the heaviness that I'm dealing with right now. I'm dealing with some heavy things that I'm just trying to find my way through and I need God's help. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that describes you, would you just raise your hand? And my hand's in the air. I've got some heavy things on my heart. Maybe you've got some things. Just lift your hand to the Lord and say, Lord, I need your help with this or that. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your faith. Maybe it's the faith of somebody else. Maybe it's some needs of people in your family. Maybe there's some real challenges that you're facing at work or, or whatever. God, you see our hands. You know our need intimately and with great detail. You understand every aspect of everything going on in our individual lives. And you have the power, God, to give us hope. You have the power to build our faith. You have the power to drive out fear. You have the power, God, to remind us that we can trust you always. We can have hope in you always. We can find deliverance instead of dead ends. We can find hope instead of hopelessness. We can find healing where there's hurt. I want to remind you here today that Jesus is the same today just as he was yesterday and he will be forever. So the same Jesus that healed this man in Mark chapter 5 is the same Jesus that can bring help and healing to our lives today. Whatever we need, we call out and we say, Jesus, my trust is in you. My faith is in you. My hope is in you, Christ. Lord, may we not listen to the lies that discourage us, make us feel like it's all over, there's no hope. But we instead have spiritual eyes, real eyes to realize, real lies from truth and are able to determine that in Christ we have truth to believe for a better tomorrow. Friends, give your burdens to Christ. Tell yourself one more time, with God all things are possible. Remind yourself that he loves you he cares about you. He knows you. He knows right where you are. He knows what you're dealing with. Lord, I pray your blessing on everyone that's in this place here today. If you're here, friend, and you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do so right here and now. Just simply pray a prayer, Lord, come into my life. Forgive me my sins. I want to follow you from this day forward. Help me understand what it means, Lord, to apply your scripture to my daily life. Or maybe for you, it's a prayer of recommitment. 
you've known the Lord in the past, but you've kind of drifted, and today's a day where you say, I need to get started early in 2023, putting Christ first. Just pray a prayer of recommitment. Lord, I'm coming home. I'm recommitting my life to you. Forgive me. Change me. Give me the strength to persevere. And in either case, would you do me a huge favor? If you're praying a prayer of commitment, take that connection card that's online. If you're watching online, it's right there in front of you. Or if you're here seated in the worship center or in the chapel, it's right there in front of you in the seat back. Take that, fill that out, drop it in the black box on the back wall as you leave. We want to pray for you. We want to reach out. We want to encourage you. We want to try to be a help. We have wonderful classes, our BCB New Converts class. Great place to study and get started. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the hope that you bring. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite us all to stand and at this time our online host and host pastors and traditions is going to lead those services and I want to invite our prayer team to come forward. You may want to come forward and pray for a particular matter that's heavy on your heart. You may want to come and stand in for someone and pray for someone near and dear to you. As we sing this closing song, I invite you to step out from where you are and come. We would love to pray with you. God bless you.